0: Welcome to the Beyond Macros podcast, a show where we teach you about nutrition and the art of working in so you can get the most out of working out. Today's episode is the second in our Forgotten Food Group series, and it is brought to you by us, Beyond Macros. We are a nutrition coaching company that helps clients get leaner, stronger, and perform better through sustainable habit changes rather than restrictive dieting. We keep a low client-to-coach ratio by design, which is why we are currently on a short wait list. But if you are interested in learning more about our programs and getting in line for a coach at the start of the new year, you can set up a meeting with me by sending a message to Matt at BeyondMacros.com. In the meantime, you can join our free macro counting mini course in the show notes at beyondmacros.com/slash 20. That's the number 20. If you're like me, you love everything about mushrooms. The way they look, the way they taste, the savory mouthfeel they lend to a dish. You may even appreciate that fungus play a major role in the health of trees. If you're like a large population of people who are repulsed by mushrooms, their texture, the taste, have no fear of this episode. You can still benefit from the magical power of mushrooms. And I've brought on Jeff Chilton, a mushroom expert and owner of Namex, which stands for North American Medicinal Mushroom Extracts, to teach us about these fun fungi. Let's start with some mushroom anatomy so you appreciate the parts and life cycle of a mushroom.
1: It all starts out in nature with spores being disseminated. These spores, when they they land on a suitable food source, and that might be in the ground, it might be in wood, but mushrooms are recyclers. That's what they do. They get out there. They're part of this ecology of microorganisms. And, and, you know, what a lot of people don't understand is the air that we breathe is absolutely thick with spores, with bacteria, with all sorts of different microorganisms. It's like a soup. So especially in mushroom season, there's going to be like billions and billions and billions of spores floating through the air. We're breathing them. Uh, as long as we're not like inside a, a enclosed space that's full of these things you know we've got the ability to deal with that that's just part of life so everything starts out with a spore the spores will germinate at one point and they will germinate into a very fine filament and that fine filament we call a hyphae when we have multiple hyphae come together they will fuse and when you have A bunch of these hyphae fusing together, they will be forming a network. That network is then called a mycelium. So the mycelium is a network of hyphae that has initially been created by spores germinating and coming together. That mycelium will spread out in the ground, in the wood, will spread out, and it will amass nutrients. And it does that by secreting enzymes. The enzymes... Uh, will break down some of the different uh, materials that it happens to be growing on. They will break that down, and then they will reabsorb it back in in a, in a simpler form. So this is what's going on with mycelium. It is essentially spreading out there, and as long as it's got uh, new nutrients that it can uh, – um, Uh, move into because it's basically into its its substrate as long as it's got new nutrients it will continue to grow mycelium is not forever mycelium if it runs out of food it will stop growing and die that's that and then it becomes part of the cycle in terms of it will start to break down by with all the bacteria and other things that will be attacking it but as long as it has new nutrient to move into it will just sit there and it will just keep going as far as it can go so the mycelium is growing, it's amassing nutrients, and then when the conditions are right, which is uh, for us in the Pacific Northwest, when the conditions are right, like it starts to rain, the temperature drops, mushrooms will start to form from that mycelium. They won't form every year. It depends on how much nutrient the mycelium has absorbed, but interestingly enough, and this is how mushrooms work, is that if if you've got this mycelium and it still got food. That mushroom will come up in the same spot every year.
0: I know that was a nice long anatomy lesson for you. So here, Jeff recaps pretty succinctly the life cycle and anatomy of fungus.
1: So we've got the spore germinating into hyphae, germinating and the hyphae coming together into a network called mycelium. The mycelium, when ten, when when uh, um, the environment is right, will produce a mushroom. As the mushroom matures, the cap will open up, the gills will start to produce spores, the spores will drop and float out into the environment, and that essentially is the beginning and the end of the, this uh, cycle. So that is the life cycle of this organism.
0: If you've ever been to a grocery store or pizza shop, you know that mushrooms are edible. What you probably haven't been exposed to is that there are more magical power to mushrooms than just the expansive self-exploration effects that psilocybin mushrooms can provide. Mushrooms are actually a nutritional powerhouse.
1: The profile nutritionally, for example, shiitake is uh, 20% protein. The button mushroom is 35% protein. So different mushroom species have a completely different nutritional profile but i think what we would say more than anything else is that mushrooms are high in the carbohydrate end of things a lot of which are going to be the beta glucans which is really good and a lot of which is going to be fiber which is also very good mushrooms because of a compound called chitin which they have maybe five or ten percent of and it helps to to, um, it adds structure to the cell wall, which actually allows a mushroom to stand up. So they have chitin in their cell walls, and that binds up some of the protein, some of the carbohydrates. So um, <clears throat> that also means that they are high in fiber. So a lot of this goes right through our digestive, through the stomach, right into our intestines, which is where they are primarily – uh, absorbed and digested and the fibers down there as well as feeding our microbiome. So a mushroom could be, could be considered in terms of nutritional value. I would say it's average amount of protein, a good amount of, uh, of uh, high quality amino acids, uh, high in carbs, but not your starchy carbs. We're talking here about sort of good carbs in terms of the uh, beta glucans and uh, they've also got mannitol. Um, uh, fat is uh, about a normal content, somewhere around uh, oh seven percent on on average. And this is mostly in um, linoleic acid, which is seventy five percent unsaturated fat in in a mushroom. And then a good complement of minerals, which of which I would say it's the it's the potassium and phosphorus, which are the highest and also a key indicator of fungal tissue because those are two minerals that are high in all of of the mushrooms. So those are those are the the key sort of nutritional values of mushrooms. And then they've got a good amount of, of B vitamins, which uh, are niacin, riboflavin, and thiamine. So generally speaking, what I would say is eat mushrooms now now. You know, for some people, okay, they can only go so far with eating a certain amount of mushrooms, and at that point, supplementation might make sense.
0: In addition to these familiar nutrients, edible mushrooms contain different compounds that can have an immunomodulation effect.
1: Most of the research on medicinal mushroom surrounds the beta-glucans, and beta-glucans are what make up 50% of the cell wall of the mushroom and the mycelium. So the mycelium and the mushroom, that cell wall is 50% beta-glucan. And that's what the the researchers have told us is the major active compound in medicinal mushrooms, and that is why a mushroom is medicinal.
0: The beta-glucans in mushrooms seem to impart most of the health benefits. But I've seen a range of different mushroom extracts touting different benefits. So I was curious why they're marketed as different if they have the same active compound.
1: Not all beta-glucans are the same. So certain mushrooms are more active than others. And that is really a matter of the architecture of that particular beta-glucan. Because, uh, for example, oats have beta-glucans, but those are a beta 1 3 one 4, glucan. A mushroom is a beta-1,3,1,6. So it is the actual architecture. It's the structure of the beta-glucan that determines its activity. So even within the mushroom community, the different mushroom species out there, even within that, they will have different beta-glucan structures, but they will all be In general, beta-1316, and those are the active beta-glucans that scientists have found in terms of when you're talking beta-glucans and and their immunological activity, that's what they're really talking about.
0: And to further clarify, Jeff brought up the point that different mushrooms and fungus have different levels of beta-glucans.
1: Different mushrooms, like for example, reishi has uh, over 50% beta-glucans. Mitaki, 40%. Cordyceps, uh, 25%. Uh, Some mushrooms are very low in beta-glucans, for example, chaga.
0: And just because chaga is very low in beta-glucans and reishi has the highest concentration does not mean that reishi is necessarily better. There are other medicinal compounds that mushrooms can contain, such as triterpenes.
1: Triterpenes are what we're going to find in reishi, chaga, and some of the other what we would call shelf- fungi, or or fungi that will be growing directly off a tree. They may be parasites or saprophytes, but they'll be growing right off the tree itself. They're often hard and woody. Those are the mushrooms that are producing the triterpenes, and that puts them in a separate class.
0: So what exactly are some of the benefits of the beta-glucans and triterpenes found in mushrooms?
1: The key activity here is that beta-glucans will activate macrophages, T lymphocytes, and they will also stimulate natural killer cells. So what they're doing is they are hitting specific receptor sites that we have in our small and large intestine. We have these receptor sites that are specific to beta glucans. They'll hit those receptor sites, and that is where they will activate immune cells. And, And the interesting thing about mushrooms is that They work in the background. So really, you know, like when we were talking earlier and you said, yeah, I took this one product, I didn't feel anything at all, and then I took reishi. Well, you know what? Really, um, what I would say there is is that it's wonderful that you've you've found the benefits of reishi right away in terms of helping you to sleep and getting you over some of that because that is one of the benefits of reishi. But in a lot of cases, when you're taking up a tonic herb uh, and a mushroom is a tonic type of herb. You're not going to necessarily feel anything immediately. This is something that's going to work in the background. Is something that's going to, after a period of time, when you're taking this, that that's when it's going to start to have its effect. And in that sense, when we talk about the whole immunological effect, what we're really talking about to some degree is we're we're talking about a uh, creating a homeostasis. So getting our body into a point where there is more balance, more harmony. And so this um, immunomodulation is what they call it. It's really almost a foundation for preventive medicine. And and that's how I think uh, mushrooms should be looked at in general is this is something that is working more as prevention than uh, than anything else, and I think that's really the, the key here.
0: This makes total sense to me. I've taken mushroom extracts in the past, and often the labels will have claims like sleep better, or common with the cordyceps mushrooms, I'll see claims like boost energy and performance. What Jeff is saying, however, is that mushrooms are adaptogenic in the sense that they will bring us back to homeostasis, or a strong baseline. Triterpenes are an interesting compound as well. Jeff told me that the essential oils that give pine sap its distinct smell are terpenes. They have an antimicrobial and antiviral property, as well as being beneficial for the liver. But they also have one awesome benefit.
1: The other thing with the triterpenes, too, is triterpenes are also utilized for because they have direct cytotoxic activity when it comes to anti-tumor activity so that's the other area where research has demonstrated that chaga chaga was a folk remedy for cancer and and, uh, i I don't i I don't like to talk about cancer too much because it's one of those things where look don't ever you know say this product is good for for that and and i'm not trying to say to that to people because generally speaking immunological, that's where it fits in. It will help your immune system cope with these types of diseases, but these are what some of the research has demonstrated for Reishi and directly related to the fact of the triterpenes.
0: With that said, and what we're about to talk about next, I want to point out that neither Jeff nor I are medical professionals and don't pretend to be. You should absolutely consult a medical practitioner for any diseases and before starting any new supplements. With that out of the way, I also learned that in addition to the immunological effects, mushrooms can have some acute effects in higher doses.
1: With reishi, it is considered to be something that is very helpful to the liver. In fact, I spoke to a traditional Chinese practitioner at a conference in Beijing back in the 90s and it was a reishi conference and I spoke to him, he gave one of the presentations, and he said his number one herb for any kind of liver dysfunction was reishi. And, and what was interesting about it is, is he said he used at times upwards of 30 grams of the dried reishi mushroom, 30 grams. I mean, that's quite a significant
0: amount. But even though mushrooms in high doses can have an acute effect, Jeff let me know that the real benefit comes from regular consumption of a normal dose of mushrooms over a significant period of time. Now here's a little bonus fact for you about mushrooms. They contain a chemical called ergosterol, which is similar to cholesterol in humans. And because of ergosterol, mushrooms can manufacture vitamin D from sun exposure even after they've been harvested.
1: That ergosterol, when you expose it to UV light, it turns into vitamin D2. For example, you can take a a, a dried mushroom, stick it out in the sunlight for 15 minutes, and you're going to get a lot of vitamin D from that. You can take uh, um, the mushroom when it's fresh, stick it out, dry it in the sun. A lot of the the, uh, drying of mushrooms in China is sun-dried.
0: When it comes to mushrooms as a food – Jeff himself consumes mushrooms at least three times per week. I'd say I probably eat about three to five meals per week with shiitake and other mushrooms, and I also take a daily reishi extract. Since I know some of you are repulsed by the thought of eating mushrooms, but could totally handle an extract, here's what Jeff recommended when I asked, what extract will provide the most benefit at the lowest cost over time?
1: In terms of the overall medicinal properties and benefits i strongly believe reishi still is the premier medicinal mushrooms and that's what i would recommend to anybody that wants to start in with a mushroom supplement i think there's so many different benefits from reishi whether it's like you say uh helping you sleep it also is good for just calming people down a little bit It's uh, got all of the immunological benefits it's uh, it's just the uh the ultimate medicinal mushrooms and, and that's why it's so highly revered in in china it's called the mushroom of immortality um they it's in chinese art when i'm in china i'm seeing it everywhere in their art uh it's part of when they talk about certain plants being um uh, like they call it the mushroom of immortality because it is a a longevity plant they have certain plants that are are tied to their concepts of longevity and reishi is one of those. So for me, that is definitely the one that I would take just to see if, if there's any sort of change and, and if it's, if it's providing some kind of benefits and, and you know, again, I, I truly believe in eating mushrooms and that's where I, I think people should start.
0: Hear that? Jeff owns an extract company and said that eating mushrooms as a food is where people should start. Brilliant. Brilliant. We'll get to sharing some of our favorite ways to prepare mushrooms, including Jeff's trick to avoid the slimy texture that mushrooms sometimes get from cooking. But first, a quick caveat that Jeff brought up about mushrooms as a food versus when to take an extract.
1: There. Having some health issues, as uh, having you know low energy, some immunological issues, and, and I think reishi is definitely the one to start with. And uh, a good reishi extract um, doesn't have to be expensive i mean we sell a ratio extract through our real mushrooms retail outlet on the web for i think uh somewhere around 30 dollars for 30 grams and, and really one gram a day of that is is man it is a powerful it's a 16 to 1 extract you taste that and and it sends you off to another place it is just a fantastic extract and be a good place for people to start so
0: For less than the cost per serving of your protein shake, you can have one of the best reishi extracts on the market. Not a bad deal. That's why I've personally made it the cornerstone of my long-term health-focused foods that I consume daily. As for how to get more mushrooms into your diet, which ones to try, and how to cook them so they taste more like meat and less like a slimy pile of mush, here's Jeff.
1: I can throw mushrooms into almost anything, but where I would tend to use them a uh, i'm a meat eater i I have a hard time eating a steak without having mushrooms with it and and let me give you a tip about about cooking mushrooms is that a lot of people are turned off to mushrooms because these things are slimy and stuff like that the problem is that people do not cook them on high heat you need to cook a mushroom on high heat get some oil in your pan throw or butter i just cook mine in butter uh uh, i throw them into a hot pan i fry them up really good and i like to brown them on both sides so that I, i don't slice them too thin don't slice them too thin maybe slice them about i don't know a quarter of an inch thick or something like that hot pan brown them on both sides cook them longer rather than shorter and give them a little bit of salt and pepper and oh man they're They're delicious on their own, but I I will cook mushrooms up with every uh, steak dinner I have. I'll work them into a stir fry. I'll work them into an omelet. You can literally put them in almost anything.
0: Mushrooms are also amazing for pasta sauces. You can even get mushrooms into sweet dishes. No joke. I make a mushroom hot cacao with my reishi extract almost every day. You can also throw it into smoothies, and it also mixes really well into oatmeal, or muesli for all of you in Australia. I'll mix oats, reishi extract, cinnamon, cardamom, sliced fruit, and sometimes a little honey or even dates, and it is awesome. In addition to shiitake, Jeff was pretty passionate about some Japanese mushrooms as well.
1: I love Anoki. You know, you, you bust up those, those packages of Anoki, there are all these noodle like long stem small cap you bust them up you throw them into a hot wok or pan and fry them up just like noodles throw whatever you want on top of them Um, and a lot of those other uh, mushrooms grown the Japanese way where they have a longer stem and a smaller cap I like that method of cultivation I like eating mushrooms that way they're easy to prepare don't have to really do much slicing and dicing and so yeah it's uh, those are all the different ways that that I eat mushrooms, and again, I, I eat mushrooms uh, three, four times a week. That's just part of my diet, and um, that's, to me, it's just a wonderful food. It's a food that everybody should put into their diet.
0: Now that you have more than a few ideas about how to work mushrooms into your meal mix, check out what's available at your local market, and give one or two of these suggestions a try this week. Let me know what you liked or didn't like. For more information on Jeff and his medicinal mushroom extracts, you can check out his site Namex, N-A-M-M-E-X.com. His extracts are also available for sale online at realmushrooms.com. And I'm going to link to some slideshows that Jeff mentioned he made with even more information about mushrooms in the show notes at beyondmacros.com slash 20. So if you want to dive deeper into understanding mushrooms and their healing powers, you should definitely check those out. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed creating it. And I put a lot of effort into creating these episodes. So if you would just pay me back with a subscribe and a review of the show on iTunes, I will be very grateful. We have one more episode in our Forgotten Food Group series next week on the microbiome and bacteria as a food with Deer of seed.com. To make sure you get that episode and all of the future goodness to come, make sure you're subscribed to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to seeing you next week.